Today we're going to study a Sicha from the Rebbe, a talk in Lakute Sichos, volume 17. And it is on the Pirkei Avos, the ethics of our fathers. We have spoken about this in the past, that in the summer months from Pesach, our custom is all the way in Torah Shoshana. Every Shabbos we study one chapter of Pirkei Avos, of the ethics of our fathers, to give us some extra encouragement to keep our standards throughout the summer months when it's easier to put down our guards. So first, to start with a light note, they say that there was once this rabbi, he was invited to be a guest speaker somewhere, and he came a few minutes late. So he said that he was rushing here. But he said the story of rushing. He said that his wife asked him to go out to buy eggs. And he went out to the marketplace. And while he was there, he got busy talking to people about some Torah and some other important matters. And he forgot all about why he was sent to the marketplace to get the eggs. After many hours, he, it dawned on him, Oy vey, my wife asked me for the eggs. So he grabbed the eggs and he started running, 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 running back home. And he finally gets to the house and he runs up the steps and he trips and all the eggs crack right out there at the front step. And he tells his wife, he says, you see what happens when you rush? So, so when you're talking about rushing, it's important because today's Torah study, we're going to learn about the idea of rushing to do something, to run to do something. There's a fascinating Mishnah here in the second Mishnah of chapter 4. And the Rebbe is going to analyze this Mishnah, this paragraph. Now, this paragraph begins with the name of the author who says it, as most of the Mishnahs in the book of Ethics of Our Fathers. And it says the following. The sage that said the following, his name was... Ben Azai. He was the son of Azai. Now, why does it say he was the son of Azai? Why don't you tell me his name? Also, why don't you call him Rabbi so and so? Where's his title? You're calling him his whole name is Ben Azai. So, just as a background to this, the Talmud says different opinions. Some say he never got married, so they didn't even. Those days, you didn't like earn your name if you didn't become a mensch. You know, you move out of your house, you get married. So he was like that. Some say that he didn't have smicha. He didn't get his rabbinical ordination. So they didn't call him by his affectionate name. They called him only by the son of his father, who was a great man. Clearly, he was a great man, as we're going to learn some of his unbelievable special qualities. We're going to learn about that soon. So Ben Azai, the son of Azai, he said the following. Have a le mitzvah kala. A person should run. Rutz means to run. You should rutz. You should run to perform a mitzvah kala, an easy mitzvah. To do an easy mitzvah, you should run to do an easy mitzvah. And uveireach min havera. You should run away. You should flee. Run as fast as you can away from any transgressions, any sins. So that's his insight to us. And we have learned a number of times already that the Pirkei Avos, ethics of our fathers, is not 
the law. It's not Jewish law. Jewish law, you have to look in the books that de- that list off the law, like the Code of Jewish Law, the Shulchan Aruch, the Rambam. There are books that have halacha. The the Pirkei Avos is called Mile de Chasidusa. It is words of Chasidus, meaning words for the person who wants to live beyond the letter of the law, a little more than just the law requirements. So he's telling you that you should run if you want to know some better extra qualities in life, more than just the regular day-to-day law, you should run to perform easy mitzvah and you should run away from transgressions from sin. And then he goes and he tells us two reasons why it's important to behave and conduct your life like this. And he tells you because it's a one mitzvah has a has a characteristic to it that it schleps you to do another mitzvah and avera in a sin schleps you to do another avera. So therefore, run to do mitzvahs so you'll stay in line and it will lead you to become contagious to do another, another. And with a sin, run away from it because it leads to one sin, leads to another one. And then he says a following statement, a second reason, which we're going to learn about soon. Let's go in order. So regarding his idea to us that you should run to do a light mitzvah. So it's obvious that it's a simple thing that every person wants to run to do a mitzvah and to do all the mitzvahs, even a mitzvah kala, a light mitzvah. And you're not allowed to do a sin, God forbid, any kind of sin, even if it's considered to be a small sin. So what's the lesson of Benazah if it's obvious that everybody has to go out and try to do every mitzvah, not to do any avera? So the lesson is in how you should do the mitzvah. Benazah is telling you how should you do a mitzvah? You should do it by running to do it and run away from doing an avera. In other words, not just should you do the mitzvah in practicality, but you actually have to run to do the mitzvah. And yet it's not enough not to do an Avera. You actually have to run away from a possible Avera sin. So the Rebbe asks a question. Even the idea that you have to run to do a mitzvah is not such a novel idea for the ethics of our fathers, the Pirkei Avos. As we said, Pirkei Avos is to teach you more than then what the letter of the law is. But actually, says the Rebbe, what do you mean? If you look into the Shulchan Aruch, and he quotes where it is in the Shulchan Aruch in, in chapter Simon 90. Over there it says, regarding the laws of synagogue, going to synagogue, it says in the Code of Jewish Law, Mitzvah Larut Lebesak Nessus. There's a mitzvah to run to Shul. And then in the Shulchan Aruch, it continues, and so too for every mitzvah. In other words, not just running to Shul. There's a whole details about it. You should run to Shul. You're not allowed to run out of Shul. You're not, you have to go out, out of Shul slow, so it shouldn't look like you're, you know, it's easy for you to leave the Shul. Okay, but the point is, it says clearly that you should run, it's a mitzvah to run to shul. So if that's the case, that we have a clear law, what is Ben Azai teaching us that's, that's more than the law? 
We just said, right? Pirukiyavas has to be more than the letter of the law. But the letter of the law is that you should run to shul. And Manaseh says you should run to do a light mitzvah. Is there a difference between these two? Seemingly they're the same thing. Another thing we have to understand, Benazai said you should run to do an easy mitzvah. He said, why didn't he say that you should run to do an easy mitzvah just like you would run to do a hard mitzvah? We already had in one Mishnah before, in the first Mishnah of chapter 4, it says that every person should be very careful, meticulous in your mitzvahs. Vehevei Zahir, you should be very careful in every mitzvah, whether it's a, a light mitzvah, like a hard mitzvah. So we already have this idea where you say, if you say a light, you should say, do a light mitzvah just like a hard mitzvah. So why does Benazai say you should run to do a light mitzvah and he doesn't say like you would run to do a hard mitzvah. So there are some versions, some old printings of the Mishnah that actually does have the word like a hard mitzvah included in his statement. But in our version of the Mishnah does not have it. And many or most commentaries say also that they never had the word that Benazai said, do, you should run to do a light mitzvah like a hard one. It just says do a, run to do a light mitzvah. So we must say, the fact that it only says light mitzvah, we must say that by being careful to do mitzvahs, there must be that when you're doing a light mitzvah, it would be very much exactly the way it would be for a hard hard mitzvah. But regarding running for a mitzvah, when it comes to practice of a mitzvah, you have to do a light mitzvah and a hard mitzvah equally. By the way, soon we're going to learn what's a light mitzvah. Or actually, I could share it with you now. He brings down in a footnote later on in the Sicha that light mitzvah is the category of sending away a mother bird before you take the child bird. So that mitzvah to send away a bird, that's, it's not a hard mitzvah to do. It's easy. That's what's called an easy mitzvah. Also, the mitzvah to make strings, fringes on the corners of your tzitzis, of a garment, to make tzitzis, that's also considered an easy one. To build a sukkah is considered to be an easy one. Even though all of those easy ones, obviously it doesn't mean that you're running literally, because you don't have to run to send away the motherboard or to make tzitzis or to build a sukkah. So we have to understand what that means in, in the context of running. And soon we have to figure out what is this context of running actually mean. But the fact, when it comes to practice of a mitzvah, you're right, there's no difference of a light mitzvah and a hard mitzvah, you have to do them equally. But it seems from his statement that in the running, there is a difference if it's a light mitzvah or a hard mitzvah, because he said clearly, you should run to do a light mitzvah. And the question is, why did Benazai choose to say it like this, you should run to do a light mitzvah? He could have actually said, run to do a mitzvah, period. He didn't even have to say a light mitzvah. So now, to understand this, the reason why you have to run to do a mitzvah, so we started to say that Benazah himself would say, he said in the same Mishnah, he says two reasons why you should run to do a mitzvah. Mitzvah, reason number one is because mitzvahs are contagious. If you do one, 
it's going to lead you to do another one. If you do a second one, it leads you to do another one. If you know somebody that you want to get them to do mitzvahs, get them to do one mitzvah. From there already, it will inspire them to do another one. But we also have the problem in the opposite with sin. It's also contagious. Once you give in and you do one sin, you could end up doing another sin, another sin. So that's also a problem. Therefore, run to do a, a mitzvah and run away from a sin because it's got this contagious component to it. Number two, another reason why you should run to do a mitzvah. So he says, because schar mitzvah, mitzvah. The reward for a mitzvah is the mitzvah. And the reward for a sin is the sin. Now, what does this mean? That the reward for a mitzvah is the mitzvah. So the Rebbe brings down two reason, two explanations to what this actually means. One is from the Bartanura. He's one of the, you know, the, the wine, right? It's named after him, his, his commentary, the Bartanura. The Bartanura is a very well-known commentary on the Mishnah. And he says that when the statement that says the reward for a mitzvah is the mitzvah is because in a mitzvah, there's pleasure. So the reward for the mitzvah is the fact that you have a mitzvah to do. You feel good about doing it. There's a pleasure involved with this. So that's what it means, simply. The reward for a mitzvah is the fact that you can do a mitzvah. If God never told you to do it, you wouldn't have the pleasure to do this mitzvah. There's another interpretation to what does it mean the reward for a mitzvah is a mitzvah. And that comes from the Alter Rebbe brings it down in Lakute Torah. And that is that the word mitzvah is also similar to the root of the word tzavta, which means tzavta v'chibur, which means connection. So mitzvah means a connection, bonding. You're bonding with the commander, with Hashem. So the reward for a mitzvah is that you now are able to be mitzvahdik. You're able to be bonded, bonding with Hashem. So that's the, what it means. So when Rabbi Nazai says that the reason why you should run to do a mitzvah, it's because the reward for a mitzvah is the mitzvah. Either it's the pleasure or it's the bonding thing. Comes out from this, if you think about it, that the second reason that Rabbi Nazai says is actually the main reason why you should run to do a mitzvah. Because you get pleasure out of it. Or because you get bonded with Hashem. Well, if that's the case, why did Ben Azay bring down seemingly a secondary reason as the first reason? He said as the first reason that a mitzvah gets you to do another mitzvah. That's only an outcome that comes an after effect. So the second reason is more the main effect because the mitzvah itself is something special. Why did he say that as the second reason? And why did he so why did he say the first reason is a mitzvah that's going to drag you in to do another mitzvah? That seems like only an extension of the whole thing what you're doing, but the purpose in the mitzvah is the mitzvah itself obviously. Okay, there's a greater benefit that it will motivate you to drag you to do another mitzvah, beautiful. But it seems like the main mitzvah is because the reward for the mitzvah is the mitzvah. He should have said that first. Now, so so far we brought down here, if you want to summarize, we brought down the Mishnah and Perkyavas here that Benazai said, you should run to do a light mitzvah and run away from Avera. We also brought down in the mitzvah of running, we said we really technically already have this in the Shulchan Aruch. It says you should run to Shul 
and also to every mitzvah. So we're going to have to understand why do we need Ben Azai's idea run to a mitzvah? We already have it in the code of Jewish law. In other words, what's Ben Azai adding to us in our lives more than we already what we have already in the law? If the law is run to shul and also every mitzvah, that's what it said there. That's enough for us. Before we get to explain the difference of the two runnings, the way Benazai says it, and the running, the way it's brought in the code of Jewish law, the Rebbe brings down that there's another lesson about running that's brought down later on in the same book, in the Pirkei Avos. In the Pirkei Avos, in chapter 5, Mishnah 20, it says there, the very, very famous Mishnah. It's a very well-known Mishnah. As a matter of fact, I was just in somebody's office last week and he had a statue of a lion on his desk. And he said he knows because it says in Prikiyavus that you should get up in the morning like a lion. Right? So It's for the same statement that we're going to now quote, which has running in it too. Yehuda ben Tema. Yehuda, the son of Tema, said, like I said, about the lion. He learns different things from different animals. Then he says, you should run like a deer. Why should you run? You should run like a deer so that you could do the will of your father in heaven, meaning of Hashem. That's why you should run, do, get, get up out of bed and rush. Come on, let's get going because you know you're going to be able to do what Hashem wants. Now this lesson of Yehuda ben Tema about the different animals, the traits that we learn from the nature of these different animals, is at, including this one of running like a deer, is brought down in the Torah, which is the source of the whole Shulchan Aruch. It's also brought down by the Alter Rebbe in his Shulchan Aruch. And as a matter of fact, the Alter Rebbe, after he wrote the Shulchan Aruch, he started to rewrite a second version, like in other words, he, he said that he thought it through a little bit more and he wanted to reword, reword some of the stuff. So over there in, in his later edition, which by the way in Halacha, a later edition takes precedence as the final concluding law. Over there the Alter Rebbe actually starts off his Shulchan Aruch with this statement of Yehuda Mentema as a opening statement to the Jewish person to the Jewish law, he starts off with this idea of this learning these traits from the animals as a motivational push for us from the morning onwards to give you the general motivation. That means in serving Hashem, there are three kinds of running. Number one, we have the running to do a mitzvah. That's an obligation. As we said, it's an obligation. You must run to shul and also to every mitzvah. So that's the first level of doing uh, of the mit of the idea of running. So the first level is it's that it's a mitzvah that's actually in the code of Jewish law. The second one is a running that's to do what Hashem wants. In other words, it's not a law, but it's a general outlook to run and do what Hashem wants you to do. In other words, it's the kind of beyond the letter of the law approach that is befitting for every single person. That's why the Torah and the Alter Rebbe bring it down in their code of Jewish law as the opening statement. Not because it's really a law, because this is an approach that everybody is capable 
of reaching, to have that general mind frame, I should live like as, as fast and run like a deer to do what Hashem wants, and that's a general idea. So the first one, you should run to shul, and every mitzvah is a specific commandment for mitzvahs. The second one is a general idea of beyond the letter of the law approach, but it, since it's in the Shulchan Aruch, it means that it's also something that's attainable by every single Jew. And then you have the third, the highest level in running, and that's Ben Azai, his statement. That means Ben-Azai's statement is not something that you could demand from every single Jew. It's only a demand for a person that's ready to live beyond the letter of the law. That's why, where is it printed Ben-Azai's statement? In the Pirkei Avos, in the Ethics of Our Father, which is written for beyond the letter of the law approach. And he specifically, he's, when does Ben-Azai say that this high level, he says specifically regarding to a light Mitzvah. And we're soon going to learn what's the significance of him stressing this. Running, which is only at the highest level of people, and it's for a mitzvah kala, for the lighter mitzvahs. The general idea of swiftness, of running, what does it mean to be able to run? Do we really mean that you should literally put on your sneakers and run to the synagogue? And you're going to come there all fashvitzed? Is that what it means? That you should get there all sweated up and run, like, like literally run? What it means is, when it says running, it means being swift. Do it with joy, with desire. That's what it means when we say running. Running is an idea. You should be so happy about it that I could do what Hashem wants. And when I say do it fast like running, that's a sign that I have a lot of enthusiasm here. And my enthusiasm is so positive and so excited with such an ambition that there's nothing that could get into my way. I'm ready to jump over any puddle. I'm ready to jump over a log. Whatever it's going to take, I'm get, without any limitations. That's why you have to go more than the normal way of walking. Walking means I'm going at my pace. If there's an obstacle in the way, I may stop. There's a distraction in the way, I may stop to look because you're going regular. But here it's saying, go with so much enthusiasm that there's nothing in your way. You're going to go without any limitations. Now this idea of joy higher than nature, higher than what you're normally accustomed to, to do what Hashem wants you to do, this is expressed in the idea of ritza, of running. Because how, who, what kind of person could really be so devoted to go without any limitation, this is what I'm doing, do what Hashem wants? You have to be completely nullified and humble in the face of Hashem. When a person feels his own existence, my tiredness, my stomach, my foot, my this, my that, then once you start feeling yourself, you start putting yourself first. I'm going to do a mitzvah and I'll do it with, 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 with joy. But only with a limitational joy. That's called a simcha, a joy that's limited. You're not, you're not running. You're not, meaning you're not running, meaning you're not running out of your box. You're not running without limitations. But when you stand in a way where you're completely devoted and humble to Hashem, then you could have a joy that has no limitations. I'm just ecstatic about this. And that's the idea of running. 
you put down everything you have and you get ready, like, like the Rambam says in the laws of, the end of the laws of Lulav, in order to serve Hashem happy, you have to nullify yourself and take your, sta- your staff and you just go flying. We also find this behavior of complete joy, we find it in the story of King David. In the second book of Shmuel, it says there that when David was working so hard to move the capital to Yerushalayim, because he knew that's where we're going to have to build the temple, right? He was first in Hebron for seven years. Then when he came to Yerushalayim, and then finally he was able to get that the Mishkan, the, the, sorry, that the Ark, the Aron, should be transported to come into Yerushalayim. Remember, the most important artifact that we had before the temple was only the Ark that had the tablets in it, right? And we had it for hundreds of years. The Philistines actually stole it for, I think, seven months, maybe nine months. I think it was seven months. They stole it. It was actually in the hands of Goliath. King Saul risked his life and he ran 45 kilometers to get it and he, 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 and he schlepped it back. Anyways, we ended up getting it back. But the point is, finally now, it was going to be able to be again on display where Jews would be able to bring sacrifices by the ark. When the ark finally came under King David's instructions, he was so excited. He was dancing. He was hopping and dancing, his sleeves from his robes went up all over. It, it, from the from the robe on his by his feet went flying up. He was he looked quite crazy when you think about it. In the way he lost himself with so much joy, with all his might, it says he danced in front of the ark. His wife, Micha, was home, and she was looking through the window, and she saw that her husband who was the king, was in such a high level of dancing like she never saw this before. She actually in her mind said to herself, this is disrespectful for a king to behave like this. When David finally came home that night, she stood there at the door and David was ready for her to welcome her with him with such honor. Wow, finally because of him the ark is here. And she expressed herself in wonderment. How could you behave like this, David? You're the king. It's embarrassing for a king to behave like this. And David said, when it comes the honor of a God who's the true real king, we are nothing. We're nobody. We're nobody. In other words, it's not about my honor when it comes to Hashem's honor. He put Hashem's honor first. That's why he didn't think about himself. He didn't look at himself at that moment. I'm the king and I have to stand with my glory and my whole, you know, special status. He looked at himself like everybody else. We're in the presence of the king, the ark itself. Hashem himself is here. Actually, his wife ends up getting uh, punished for this because she was such a high righteous woman and we know always in the Torah that people that were very, very righteous, they got scrutinized even for the smallest smallest things. The verse actually says that you didn't have any kids from that story onwards. Some say that she actually died in childbirth after that. But however way you look at it, the point is, is that look how David did it. That's called 
being besimcha without limitations. Sometimes we all get to see this. Somebody is so happy, and you don't, you can't even understand that the person is so happy. That's the level of that it's supposed to be when it comes to doing a mitzvah. And that's what it means to run. Run means I'm so excited, nothing could stop me. I am not my normal self. I'm running because I know that this is the king wants me to do this, and I have the opportunity to do this for the king. Now we can understand an additional uh, note that the Rebbe brings down, which is actually a fascinating idea, but you see how careful and precise it is when it comes to learning Torah. The Alter Rebbe, in his Shulchan Aruch, we all know, and I just want to clarify something now, we might as well use out this opportunity just for a minute to explain the difference in the well-known three halachas, Shulchan Aruch, code of Jewish laws that are out there. You have the Rambam, the Rambam style is that every time he brings down a law, he brings down the verse that's the source to the law. So not just you know the law, you also know where it came from. The, the Shulchan Aruch, the Torah of the Shulchan Aruch from Yosef Cairo, over there also brings down a lot of times sources. So why did we need the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch? The Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch it, it was, is meant as his teacher, the Magad of Mizrich, asked him to write the Shulchan Aruch. He said he should put in the reasons for the mitzvah. So the Alter Rebbe hardly brings down a verse to prove his, the law he brings down from a source. He usually just brings down the reasoning behind, the, behind why you have this mitzvah. So in this case here, where it says it's a mitzvah to run to synagogue and to do any, any other mitzvah, the Alter Rebbe actually brings down a verse, which is unusual for him. He brings down the verse that's the source, as it says in Hosea, in Isaiah it says, Nirdefa ladas es Hashem. You should run to know God. So since the verse says you should run to know God, so he, like, chase after. You should chase it. You should run, run after it to know God. So since he's quoting the law that you should run to Shul, so he quotes this verse that you should run, chase after it to know God. But it doesn't make sense. The Alter Rebbe's whole Shulchan Aruch is all about the reasoning behind it. Not the source verse. So why did he quote here the source? As a matter of fact, in the Torah, the big Shulchan Aruch, Where he does bring down sometimes verse, over here he doesn't even bring down the verse. So why over here does Alter Rebbe bring down the source? Another thing we have to understand, in the wordings of the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch, which is so precise, we actually call the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch, is called the Lashon Hazav. It's the golden tongue of language, use of words. That's how precise every letter and word is in his Shulchan Aruch. So in the wordings of the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch, it says there, it's a mitzvah to run to the shul and also to do every mitzvah as it says, near the ladasun, to chase after to, to, the knowledge of God. Comes out from this verse, we learn the law that it's a mitzvah to run to shul and every mitzvah. Well, it's interesting because in the Gemara, which is the source to the Shulchan Aruch, always you have to go back all the way. Where did they get this in the Shulchan Aruch? From the Talmud. In the Talmud, it says... This, it brings down the verse that you should chase out, pursue it to know Hashem 
only regarding running to the synagogue. Regarding the, extent, the next words, and also to every mitzvah, the Gemara brings down a different verse. So why does Alter ever bring down this verse for both together? To run to do a mitzvah and to run to the synagogue and for every mitzvah. So the explanation to this is, the Rebbe says that you're going to understand this explanation, but he's going to first explain first this verse, that you should pursue it to know God. He says, when the Alter Rebbe brings a verse, you're right. The Alter Rebbe doesn't bring down in his Code of Jewish Law the sources. He only brings the reason. He says, from here I see that this verse is not just the source. It's actually the reason why you should be running to synagogue and why you should run in general to do a mitzvah. Because you should chase it, pursue it, ladas es Hashem, to know God. Ladas is from the word knowledge. Right? Das, das. To know God. How do you explain this idea of knowing God? He says, actually, if you go back to this verse in Isaiah, in Isaiah, over there, that Tzemach Tzedek brings down in his commentary that Tzemach Tzedek, by the way, it's interesting to note that there's a set of books called Or HaTorah. That's from the Tzemach Tzedek. Over there, he has on the entire Chumash, Navi, Ksuvim, he explains verses. He, he finds verses that, that need more explanation. Sometimes a verse has twice the same word and he explains a lot of this stuff based on deeper ideas. Fascinating stuff. As a matter of fact, the Rebbe loved the Ur so much that when they were printing it, the Rebbe said that he wants to sponsor it himself, the publication. He didn't want to let other people share in the sponsorings of it. Amazing thing. The Tzemach Tzedek said that if you look in the verse, it actually says, it says like this, You should know, pursue to know God. That means in the verse, it says twice the word knowing, knowledge. Again, and you should know, pursue, Ladas as Hashem to know God. Why does the verse say twice the word Ladas knowing? Could have just said it once. So the Tzemach Tzedek explained that actually there's two levels of knowing. When it comes to knowing God, there's two levels of knowing. There's another verse we have also in Shmuel in Samuel 1 in chapter 2 verse 3 over there it says the words God is the God of knowing. And over there, knowing is written plural. So there's two kinds of knowings. What does it mean? There's a lower, a lower level of knowledge and a higher level of knowledge. In short, what's the difference of lower level, level of knowledge and a higher level? So he says, look, there's two things that we see every day. You have this material world and then you have the heavenly worlds. Ask yourself a question. Which is the real world that's a real existence that you could say this is real, you could touch it? And where is the world that you could say it's nothing, I can't, I can't even touch it. it it's, it's like a spiritual place. The lower level of knowledge tells you that what you see with your eyes, that's what I count something of substance. This table is a table, I can feel it, I can touch it, it's a real existence. The higher world 
is ayin. It's nothingness. It's not a world that you could touch things. There's no material substance that I could touch. That's the lower level of knowledge. The higher level of knowledge looks at everything much, much deeper. The higher level of knowledge says, what's real? What's the real existence at the end of the day? It's God. It's the spiritual stuff. That's real existence. And in comparison to the real existence of heaven, everything in this world is nothingness in comparison. You see, so that's what's called the higher level of knowledge. So when it says in the verse here that the service to God should be in a way where I pursue it means I should yearn to run higher than the way I see things here on the normal and I should get to the level of beyond limitations. This is the world with limitations. So I want to get out of it. I want to get to the higher place, higher than limitation. So now, even though the normally, what is the way to serve Hashem in a way of running, pursuing it, which is higher than limitations? And that comes only if I'm nullified. I don't see myself as a existence. I, I, I see myself as the conduit to serve God who's the real existence. So that's the highest level. But the Shulchan Aruch, which speaks about a level that's equal for everybody, it says, oh, it's a mitzvah to run to the shul and also every mitzvah. Because even a person who's not up to the level to be so joyful without any limitations, nevertheless, at least when it comes to practice, you have to run. In other words, at least move quickly with your feet to every mitzvah. In other words, in practicality, you could live in practice as if I was at this highest level of doing things without any limitation. Because what's, what's so important? The important thing is, is getting the mitzvah done. Getting to shul. Don't procrastinate, get there quick. The bottom line is the action of it. So your attitude is, I got to get there quick. So even if I'm not holding at the highest level where I'm so, you know, devoted without any limitations, at least I get the job done. Like we find with many mitzvahs, that the way to do a mitzvah is to go in order of things. In order, you start off slow, then you get to the deeper level. We have, for, like for example, there's a mitzvah in the morning prayers, there's a mitzvah to say the Shema, Right? Now, in your davening, there's an order of things. First, you say Pesukah Nezirma, which is the verses of praises. Then you say two blessings before you say the Shema. And then you get to the Shema. Why do we have that? Why can't you just get to the point point, say the Shema? The point is that there's an order for things. In order to feel properly. To feel it. Feel the idea that there's only one God. What does it mean to feel that there's only one God? You remember, we all take our right hand and we cover our eyes when you say Shema Yisrael, Shema Kishem Echad. You ever notice some people when they get the Shema Echad, they nod their head up, down, right, left, front, back. What is this? You're a little drunk there? What's this nodding of the head? Because you're supposed to think that when it says God is one, the letters that spell the word one is Aleph, Ches, Dalet, Aleph is one for one God. Eight represents the seven firmaments and earth. 
And the Dalit is four, which represents the four sides of the world. So you think about that. So now, in order to get to the proper feeling when you say the Shema, where you're completely devoted and submerged into those words of Shema Yisrael that God is the king over the seven firmaments and earth and all the four sides of the world, and you want to reach to the next verse that says, I should love God with my entire heart, hearts. Right? Which means your evil inclination and your good inclination. And with all my soul. And you want to reach to the level of devotion with all my might. How do you expect to get to that? You have to go through a contemplation of thinking a little bit about what's God. And that's why we have these many pages of davening first. All these pages of Pesukah the Zimra, the, the verses of praises. And then you have the blessings of Shema. It's all in order to get to say the Shema correctly. But... This is technically, davening is really there for everybody to reach to. But nevertheless, if you're not holding on that level, nevertheless, you still say the Shema. In other words, even if you didn't mentally prepare yourself properly to daven, that's, by the way, why we're supposed to daven in the morning, the first thing, before you have all the different distractions that come into life, right? That's why it's not a simple thing. We're not supposed to open up our phones and newspapers and stuff like that, you know, before I remember one time uh, learning the Sikha where the Rebbe spoke about um, in the 70s, he said that um, men, we used to write into him and ask him all the time if they should start to put on Rabbeinu Tam Tefillin. You know, there's two pairs of Tefillin, Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam. One is right to left for the person wearing it, one is right to left the person that looks at you wearing it. Anyways, so to put on the second pair of Tefillin, you have to be more spiritual. Sometimes the Rebbe answered people, do you say Chitas yet? Sometimes he asks if you went to the mikveh yet, if you learned chassidus before davening. Most people, he would tell you to wait till you're 18 or he'd tell you till you get married. But in the 70s, the Rebbe spoke about it by the Fabrenian once and he said, nobody should ask me anymore. From now on, everybody should put it on from the bar mitzvah. What? You should do it so early on. Are we so spiritually up to that level? The Rebbe said that there's a story from the Rebbe Rashab that he w- they was once in his house to some guests, and they saw that he was washing his hands for a mozi, and instead of washing one, two on one hand, and one, two on the other hand, he washed one, two, three, one, two, three. Yeah, so they asked him, well, why you three? Probably after he was able to speak, he said that since he's 12 years old, he's mastered his body, trained his body, to follow everything that it says in the code of Jewish law. So if he's doing this, there must be that there's a source for it. And then one time they saw him that he had a towel on his hand. He held the, 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 the cup with a towel so his wet hand shouldn't touch the thing. So he said, when you, when you reach that level, you could do it. So the Rebbe said, that we can't wait anymore until you reach the level. He said, because nowadays people, and he used the example, that people, they get up in the morning, and even before they daven, they have to read the newspaper. So imagine the generation that we're living in that there are other things that seem like they're more important than the davening. The only reason why we learn certain things before or even as we had the Hayom Yom the other day that to eat a little bit before is in order that you, it's preparation for your davening. But the point what he's saying here is is that there's an order of things, but even if you're not up to it and you're not spiritually connected properly the way we could be during davening, it's 
still okay to start off with the first level of at least getting it done. So the, back to us, this is the point. The ultimate level is, to, as it says in the Code of Jewish Law, means that if it's in the Shulchan Aruch, that means everybody is capable to reach this level, that it's a mitzvah to run to the synagogue. Why does he say that? Because really you could get to that level. What does it mean to run, to do it with simcha, without limitations? But even if you're not at that level, says the Shulchan Aruch, at least get to Shul quicker than normally. At least you got it done. Maybe you're not without limitations. Maybe you have a lot of limitations, but at least you got it done. Now, the reason why every Jew is obligated to get the poil mamish, it's called, to get the bottom line done from a running to do every mitzvah, even though you're not really holding by that level in a true inner sense, is because through this, that a yid trains, your, trains themselves to run to do every mitzvah with simcha that will get you to start doing everything quicker and lighter and eventually you'll get to do it without any limitations. And that's what it means to pursue, to know Hashem. This means to reach to that higher level of ladas as Hashem, to know and to, to the higher level of das, which is that the ultimate real truth of all real existence is only things of the higher worlds. And that's why it's specifically, where do we have this law? Running, where is it quoted? In the laws of running to synagogue. Why? Because prayer, synagogue is all about prayer. Prayer is all about in the heart. What's the idea of your in your heart? That a Jew should attach himself to Hashem. To get to the higher levels of serving Hashem, first it's got to start from the heart. And that's why the first thing is, is to pursue to know Hashem. With this running to davening. Because once you have it in control that you're running to davening, you're going to be in good shape. Right? You see, uh, serving God with your heart, some people don't really appreciate it properly. Some people think, keep it all in the heart. They don't want to express it. That's why Jews have heart problems. But don't let that get to you. Don't let... Everything, the weight, stay in your heart. Express it to Hashem. Say the words. Dance with it. And you'll have a light experience in your heart. By the way, there was a written note came out a few years ago. Somebody uh, publicized it. That a person wrote to the Rebbe that he has heart problems. The Rebbe said, it seems like you don't participate in Fabrengans. Because that's the place where you could warm up your heart. So sometimes we're looking for all kinds of pills and all kinds of narishka, not narishka necessarily, but the point is, embrace the feelings of the heart in the right place. Somebody in the community tells me suffering with some heart problems. Says, Rabbi, you don't have these problems because you, you shut down the whole world when you pray every three times a day. So imagine that. The attitude is right. Hopefully we can actually master that. But the idea is, is that express yourself to Hashem when you pray. That's the best way. And at least you get it done, you did the prayer, and now the next time, express the feeling more and more and more. And this is now the greatness of why it's mentioned in the next level, is that it's mentioned, these level, this lesson of you should run, that it says it in Pirkei Avos, which is really only beyond the letter of the law, it says also what it says in the Code of Jewish Law, that you should run. Because it's talking, the, the Pirkei Avos is talking about the true innermost level that you can really reach to, which is running with so such speed 
In other words, your devotion to Hashem is with such speed, such enthusiasm, such joy, that no limitation to it. And that is a big avoda. It's a big level. To reach that level that your entire devotion should be at that level with no limitation, that's a very high level. That's why it's called Milsa de Chasidusa. It's beyond the letter of the law. That's the part that's in the Shulchan So the Shulchan the sorry, the Pirkeyav, Pirkeyav is telling you that it's not just the way I mentioned running in the Code of Jewish Law. Running in the Code of Jewish Law is the attitude. The attitude that I got to be devoted to Hashem. But in practice, to do it without limitation, that's in the Pirkeyavis. And it can be done in two ways. As we said, in the Pirkeyavos, you have two times the idea of running. One is, Yehuda ben Tema said, run like a deer to do the desire of Hashem. This idea is brought down, as we mentioned in the beginning of the Shulchan Aruch, as a general life attitude. And the lesson is, from Ben Azai, is not, Ben Azai's level of running is not something that's expected from every single person equally. That's why his quote is not in the Code of Jewish Law. It's only in the Perkyabas. Let's explain this a little bit better. Yehuda ben Tema said he's not, he's not talking about running while you're doing a mitzvah. He's talking about the general devotion to Hashem should be in a way from the beginning of the day when you wake up, wake up with the attitude that you're going to run like a deer. In other words, the attitude is that in specific mitzvahs, I'm going to be a devoted person. When, do you, when does it say this in the Shulchan Aruch? This is very interesting. In the Shulchan Aruch, right in the beginning, it starts, not literally in the beginning, but in the first chapter, it starts telling you in the morning, you should say, Modani. Right? You thank Hashem. It's very interesting. Before talking about Modani, it says, look what Yehuda B'tema said, look from the animals how to wake up like a lion, right? And run like a deer. That means this attitude is even more, the attitude is even more important before you even utter your first words of Moda'ani to Hashem. And the whole idea of Moda'ani is that it's a general submission of thanks to Hashem. By the way, I remember once hearing a story, there was a guy that went to visit the Rebbe's mother. He used to go from time to time when she lived in New York for her last uh, 20 years of her life, almost 20 years, 18 years, she lived in Crown Heights, not too far from the Rebbe. The Rebbe would go visit her every single day, by the way, and have a tea with her. They say the Rebbe used to run there. When he walked into the door, he was calm. The second he finished his 10 minutes with his mother, he walked out the door, he was running back. He had a million things he had to take care of. Talking about running. But so one of the guys, the people that used to go visit the Rebbe's mother and talk with her, you know, keep her some company. Uh, he once asked the, Rebbe, the Rebbe's mother, which prayer is the most precious, important prayer to your son? This guy was curious. He wanted to know, is it Shacharis, Mincha, Meyer, benching after food? You know, which, which is the most, the, the piece that talks to him the most? So she said, actually, I don't know, but next time he'll be here, I'll ask him. So the next time the Rebbe came to visit his mother, she asked him this question, which is the most precious prayer of the day for you? And the Rebbe thought for a second and said that the Moda'ani in the morning is the most precious. Because that sets the tone for the whole day. That Moda'ani. And it's interesting, he brings down here that we all know in the morning, 
you're supposed to wash your hands because when you go to sleep, your soul leaves your body. You're 60th dead. So you become impure. Anytime something leaves your body, you become impure. You have to wash your hands, you to, right? Because impurity goes to your hands, spiritual impurity. So in the morning, when you, before you get out of bed even, we try to prepare like a little something with a cup and you wash your hands even before you put your feet on the floor. It says you're not supposed to walk four cubits out of your bed without washing your hands first. But it's very interesting. Moda'ani, you say before you even wash your hands, while your hands are still impure. How's that possible? So you can answer, well, it doesn't have Hashem's name in it. So my hands aren't pure. You say, Moda'ani lefanecha, melechai v'kayam, shechzarta binishmasi v'chem l'rabba munasecha. Right? So there's no word of Hashem's name. Says Chassidus. There's not, it's not the reason why you could say it with your impure hands. It's because the moda'ani of a Jew can never get contaminated no matter how much contamination there is in the world. Your pure thank you relationship to God for returning your soul is something that's so deeply bonded between you and Hashem and no impurity could interfere with that. That's the point here. So number one is, even before the Moda'ani, it says, learn from the deer to run to serve Hashem. In other words, the second I open my eyes, I say to myself, I have another day. I'm alive again. I have a day to serve and do fulfill what Hashem wants for me. Now let me start Moda'ani. You actually do something by verbalizing these words. And now this is what Benazai comes here in the Pirkei Avos, and he tells us an additional level of devotion. Run to do a light mitzvah. As I said before, examples of light mitzvahs we said before, like Shiluah Chakan, sending away the mother bird, putting strings on the corners of your garments, a sukkah, these are, right? Even when you're completely submerged in the doing of the practicality of a specific mitzvah, without even thinking about it at the, for any general idea, like Asher Kedushan you asked me to do this. You, this is your will, Hashem, right? Here he's talking about that a Jew affects in their devotion that you should do it in a way of running without limitation. That's already a very high level. Only Banazai could demand that from us. How could it be that Ben Asai should demand such a thing from us? That you should be so crazy about God? You should be infatuated with God all the time without limitation? How is it possible that he should demand such a thing? Okay, granted, it's not in the Code of Jewish Law, but it's in the Pirkei Avos, which we study every sh- the whole summer. How could he demand that to us? It's, we are all people that serve God with limitation. How could he ask us to do it? And the answer is, because Ben Asai was a very unique kind of sage. And let's learn a little bit about the sage. The things that we know about him. He wanted one thing in life. He was such a spiritual sage. He wanted so badly to, to become so close to God. He wanted even to leave this world. He didn't care. He had no desire to be in this world. That's why he never got married. There are those, by the way, the, Gemara, the Talmud brings this down. Some say that he did get married. But after a short while, he said, forget it. I can't handle this. He said, marriage means I have to be in tune with this world. The limitations of this world. I got a wife. I got to soon have kids. He's like, I'm out of this. 
You know, when you're single, it's so easy to serve God. There's nobody, no, there's nothing else you got to do, just serve God. Maybe you got to also worry about or serve yourself. Ben Azai, some say that he actually got married to his colleague, his teacher, Rabbi Akiva, his daughter. And he got divorced right after. Regardless of whichever opinion, but we all, all opinions say that he did not build a family. And when they asked him, Ben Azai, you got to get married. Everybody's got to get married. And he answered, he said, what should I do that my soul is yearning, it desires Torah, that all it wants is Torah. I'm sorry. We actually find another story. At the end of his life, he didn't, I don't even know if, that he lived that long. I was trying to do research to see how, how old he was when he, when he died. But I don't think he lived that long. But regardless of that, at one place it said he didn't live long, but I don't know a year. But it says that there was a time when four sages managed to creep in to what's called the Pardes. Pardes is the orchard, a spiritual orchard. In the Zohar it says the Pardes is an acronym for Pshat, Remez, Drush, and Sod, for the four levels of studying Torah. The simple interpretation, the hints of, the, of it, the homiletical, and the Sod, which is the Kabbalah part. So they, these four sages, they went in there. And the Talmud, it's a story in the Talmud. And the Talmud tells us, it's in the Talmud tractate Chagiga. On page 14 over there, it's 14b. It says that each, what happened to each one of them. But Benazai, it says, he saw and he died. You know, today's day, you probably want to say he got zapped. So much spirituality came over him and he died. We actually say, the Rebbe says this in the Sikher, that his death was similar to the death of the two children of Aaron. Because what does it say in the Chumash about the two children of Aaron? They came close in front of God. The closeness is what made them leave this world. It was their closest to getting close. Now, it's not considered to be a compliment, actually, because we're supposed to also be, you're supposed to have the yearning, but you're supposed to stay living here in this world. But at least a guy like Ben Azai, a sage like him, that's why since he knew this about himself, he knew that he's not the, 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 the normal. He knew that his character was all about this extra desires to getting so close to Hashem to the point that he didn't even have a family. So therefore, he used to preach, he used to teach ways to fix this by saying that you have to serve Hashem with this burning, running desire. And that's because he felt the level of the amazing beauty, sweetness and beauty. That's what the Arachayim HaKadosh uses about the children of Aaron. That they saw the sweetness and the beauty and, and, and that they just had that strong yearning. They couldn't stop it. It was unstoppable. It was like no limitation to it. So how is it possible that Benazai should demand this from us? He says, focus on the part. Run to do a light mitzvah. It doesn't say a light one like a hard one. Because the sweetness, the pleasantness that's in a mitzvah that comes from your running to it 
is because of the individuality of every single mitzvah. And that is not the same by a light mitzvah and a big mitzvah. The main thing is, run to do even a light mitzvah. In other words, even in a light mitzvah, you could see the unlimited sweetness that's in a mitzvah. Now, to recognize this preciousness of this sweetness in a mitzvah, it could be in two ways. Number one, you could feel and recognize the great sweetness that's in a mitzvah itself. Like it says in Tehillim, Kirvas Elohim Toiv, you recognize that the closest with God is good, and a higher level is that you recognize that for you it's good. And these are the two reasons that Benazay says. Why should you run to do a mitzvah? Number one is because a mitzvah, when you understand that a mitzvah is so sweet, so special, so precious, a mitzvah will drag you automatically to do another mitzvah. And the second reason is because the reward for mitzvah is the mitzvah. The main reason is actually the sweetness of the mitzvah. That the mitzvah itself drags you to do another mitzvah. In other words, the greatness of the uniqueness of the mitzvah is what drags you to do another mitzvah. And since, by Benazai, he says this lesson, for those people that are on the level of feeling that verse of King David, the closest to God is good, then you learn that a person that's in the beginning of their, their journey, you learn that you could start working your way up to get this feeling, and that's why he adds the second quality that the reward for mitzvah is the mitzvah. That even the reward for mitzvah, that the reward that the person feels is that you have the opportunity to bond with Hashem. And that bonding is without any limita- limitations. Like it says, schar mitzvahs b'hayamaleka. We don't have reward for mitzvah in this world. Because the reward for mitzvah really is unlimited. And there's no room for the reward in this world. This world's a world of finite. So of course you can't have the reward for a mitzvah which is an infinite idea. And therefore, even to get the reward, you have to have a running that's without limitations. So this is the sikha on this Pirkei of it. It's fascinating Mishnah here of the three different kinds of running. Starting off with the first level that it's brought down in the Shukhanar to run to Shul, which is an attitude that get at least a mitzvah done. Then you have the higher level of Yehuda ben Tema, you should run like a deer. And it's, even though it's in Perkei it's also brought in as an introduction to the general attitude, to do what Hashem wants. So it's a general idea that everybody's capable to motivate to get to that level. But the ultimate level of true doing a mitzvah with true simcha without any limitations, that's the level of Benazah in the Perkei This is a part of a two fabrengen collection that the Rebbe spoke of this one Mishnah in Parsha Emar and the next Parsha of Abraham Kersa in the year of 1964. Okay.